Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today, we have actor Malik Yoba on the show. You know Malik from films like Cool Runnings and Copland, and TV shows like New York Undercover and Designated Survivor. I wanted to have Malik on the show because he's such an exceptional actor and he's mastered acting and procedurals. We dig into it pretty deeply, but we also talk about both his relationship and Hollywood's relationship to the trans community. I'm really excited for you guys to hear. Here it is. Malik Yoba. Yes, sir. How you doing? Um, well, how are you? Great. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here. I'm a huge fan of your work Thank and your you. career. We have a lot of mutual friends in common. One of them is in this room and happens to be an executive producer of this show. How did that guy get to executive producer? <laughs> who, who do you, who do you yes, try? yes. We have Malik Yoba in the house. All right, yes. Dean Evans. Yes. Met Malik Yoba in 1993 on the set of Cool Runnings. How did he get in here, man? The movie's over, Dean. <laughs> I'm just telling you how I met you. <laughs> Malik, as you know, was an actor, producer, musician, inspirational speaker, writer, director, healer, change agent, social influencer. And Dean and is real- the world's greatest hype man. <laughs> and, and, and real estate developer. Thank Malik, you. we're so honored to have you here. Ryan, let's get the show started. Rock and roll. Thank you. Love you know, it. you know, Dean is the world's greatest hate man. Oh, I know. Whoever Dean is friends with, make sure you become friends with him because <laughs> he will make sure that he blows up your stuff to everybody. You're the best, Dean. Love you, guy. Love you, man. Malik, whoa! I think you're one of one of the uh, one of the greatest of all time, man. You and Leon, man, and when it comes really? to, to black excellence, don't, don't lie to me. I'm not oh, lying. Black excellence. Okay, let's narrow it down. The greatest of all time in black excellence. Yeah. All right. But uh, I'm, I, I like to start from the beginning. So you grew up in New York, right? Um, born in the Bronx. Yep. Nice. Born in the South Bronx. And raised did, in Harlem. And did you were your parents artists? My father was a jazz musician um, who was never able to fully realize his dream, his artistic dreams. Um, came to New York from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, to be to study at a uh, Manus School of Music. He ended up going to uh, Manus School of Music, which is a music conservatory on the Upper West Side. Wow. Uh, it's a jazz cat, but it was hard for him in the 40s and 50s, and so he ended up doing other things. He was always a musician, but he he didn't he wasn't able to, you know, really live it out. My yeah. mother was a young creative. Um, she, my mother actually wanted to be a Hollywood starlet, but she was born in 1944, so wow. there weren't a whole lot of space. There wasn't a whole lot of space for black folks to be Hollywood starlets yeah. when my mother was born, so... And did they kind of instill the artistic bug in you, or did you? For kind sure, of, yeah, yeah. yeah to, um, more my mother. My father was the the frustrated artist that said, "Hey, don't do that." Yeah. My mother was like, "Anything you want to do, I'll support." That's so, amazing. Yeah. And when starting out, did you do? Did you play music? Did you played instruments in the house? Played guitar. Played trumpet. Played sax as a kid. Um, theater, musical theater as a kid. Well, so, yeah. I, the short, the long, short story is: saw Alice in Wonderland when I was four. Decided I wanted to do whatever those people were doing on the stage. Yeah. Um, and then had the opportunity to go to performing arts programs in school and um, did that. Uh, thought I was going to go to college and study early childhood education and musical theater. Ended up not going to college, but still had an opportunity to work with young people and work in the arts um, through an organization called the City Kids Foundation, where I started volunteering when I was about 19. Then I was hired at 20 and then worked 
uh, City Kids Foundation where it was all about using art to educate. So using theater and music and song, you know, what songwriting or murals or dance or any artistic expression to carry a message. Yeah. And so learned a lot about community organizing and, um, again, doing public art projects, um, taking, you know, this sort of modality into the schools, workshops, and um, engaging young people around issues that were important to them, yeah. using the arts to do it. Um, and uh, that led to ultimately me working uh, full-time. There's, there's all the details in there, but yeah. Amazing. That's, that's kind of what happened. And, and talk to me about what, what was your what was that moment like when you were like, all right, I, w- I want to pursue this as a living. Like what... How did, how well, did you- I've always been a multi-hyphenate. So as a kid, my father always said, boy, you got to focus. I say I'm focused on what I'm doing when I'm doing it. And when I'm not doing that, I'm focused on the other thing. And it's funny because as an adult, I'm still the same way. Yeah. I have many interests um, and have always pursued them with equal passion um, at different times. Sometimes some get more attention than others. But I've always moved um, with many uh, initiatives going. That's just the way... I'm wired. Yeah. And, and and the only way I can do that is if I partner with people. Because um, it's me, by myself, I'm just schizophrenic. <laughs> me with a bunch of people, then I'm like, okay, we're working on this, we're working on this, we're working on this, and that kind of thing. So that that, that has worked for me uh, um, to, I guess, varying or debatable degrees of success. Um, but... Um, the funny thing is my life as an actor, I, I actually consciously chose not to pursue that part because wow. I didn't like the idea of people telling me when I can work. So the musician part of me, like when I met Dean, you know, part of the reason Leon would talk to him about me is because I came to Cool Runnings um, having just been the vice president of the City Kids Foundation. Wow. So literally the night before I went to perform to do the film, I was performing at Carnegie Hall. Uh, you know, I was. We had a, a benefit, a gala. I was the MC. I was performing. We had a lot of celebrities that were supporting the organization. This is eight, 93 at wow. the time. So, you know, uh, Demi Moore was our spokesperson. Bruce Willis was there, and De Niro, and, and Quincy Jones. And yeah. We had all kinds of celebrities that supported us. And so, um, me for me, showing up in Canada first thing I did was go to the guitar store buy a guitar and I met some folks that were doing a show at um, a a local college in in Calgary and I asked them if I could perform and I ended up performing on the show and then they ended up filming the thing and I invited the cast to the show and they're like how the hell did this Negro (laughs) show up in Canada and how is he doing a show with these Canadians at this, this theater but music for me always felt like no one can tell me when I can perform. Yeah. I can do that even while I'm going to do a, a film. And, or I showed up with the song, the bobsled song. I wrote that song for, no my, for my audition. Wow. Yeah, enough people say, no, they can't believe Jamaica. We have a bobsled team. Everyone, there is no the way. One. Yeah. I had no idea. So I wrote that for my audition. That ended up on the soundtrack. I ended up with a record deal with Columbia. Um, so I say that to say I've always been like I'm doing this while I'm doing this while I'm doing this. You didn't want to be limited by one particular. It's not. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, it's just I, I. I. That's the way I think. Like I can be in a situation and then sort of see how a lot of the pieces connect and then 
just it, you know I just move and and I'm curious to ask you you know Cool Runnings was your first like big feature yes but I've done two small films before that and then having something like that because now we know Disney to be this major media conglomerate that owns Marvel but at that time they were known for animation right. what, did, what did it feel like when it was pitched to you as this story it wasn't even pitched I mean the deal was a friend of mine you know called me um, and so the very first film I ever did was a film called Seriously Fresh in 1989 um, and that film was a short AIDS. It was it was a company called AIDS Films that was founded by a guy named John Hoffman, whose a lot of his friends were dying of AIDS, and he was president of of um, HBO at the time. He quit to start this company to produce short films that can go into hospitals, schools, clinics to educate community on AIDS. And so um, that film I did um, because. The youth program I was running ran out of money one summer. Wow. And we also had this repertory company. And so there, people would post uh, ads up for different auditions or whatever. And I was at work one day volunteering for the summer. And I saw this ad. I followed up. I auditioned. I got that film. The writer of that film was a former Black Panther Party member. Um and I said, hey, man, I run this youth program. Why don't you come talk to my kids during Black History Month? Yeah. He came down a few months later. That's the dude that called me up and said, hey, oh, by the way, they're doing this movie about the Jamaican bobsled team. Why don't you call this casting director? And so it wasn't necessarily pitched to me. Yeah. It was just mentioned that I should call a Jackie Brown, which I did. And that led to me getting the film and that led to everything else. Wow. And yeah. when you're looking back on that time, was that a fun time and shooting that, was, that film? It was amazing. Yeah. I always wanted to bobsled and go to the Olympics. So for me, <laughs> it's a dream you know, I was like, I was tripping. I was, I was, I was literally, when we finally got to the top of the bobsled run yeah. in Olympic Park in Calgary, Canada, and I'm looking down this run and I have my Jamaican bobsled uniform and there's all the bobsleds and, and I'm up here like, wow. They actually had the Olympics here. And I was a kid. When Lake Placid Olympics happened, upstate New York, that's what made me want to bobsled. Yeah. And I was standing on top of the bobsled run like, oh, I'm in the Olympics. And I'm bobsledding. And how was it working with John Candy? You know, that must have been. John was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. And then as you continued on in your career, you know, moving, let's say, Copland, what was it like, you know, being a young black man in the 90s? Did you, were you looking to, like, Denzel? Like, or- nah, you know, it's funny. I was, I think one of the, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I went to a, a screening of Michael B. Jordan's uh, new film, Just Mercy. I love that kid. I've known him since he was 17. I'm really proud to to see his growth. Um, don't know him well, but have met him over the years. And he's always a very respectful kid. And I think the last time I saw him after he was a teenager was when he did Fruitvale Station. Yeah. And I'm watching him on stage last night, and he's got Jamie Foxx and Brie Larson. And he's got Rob Morgan and I um, can't remember the rest of the actors. But he, that's the first film he's producing through his production company. And I really like to see what he's doing in his career and how he's navigating. And there's a blueprint that came for him before Will was able to move like that, Um, Denzel before that. When I came into the business, I wasn't thinking about anybody else's blueprint. I was thinking about my own. I was like, all right, I'm doing this, but I also want to open this restaurant. I got musical interests, and I'm into fashion. So I was definitely – you know, spreading resources around and, and partnering with people early on. 
And I remember having a meeting with uh, the head of, at the time, Amy Pascal. Of, yeah, of, Sony. Yeah, yeah at the yeah. time. And my manager sets it up. And Amy's like, so, hey. Because when you're that, the new kid, when you have that first ent- entree when everybody wants to meet with you, yeah. everybody wants a general meeting. It might have been you know, Harvey Weinstein or Amy Pascal or the head of this studio, that yeah. studio. Because you're the new kid. Yeah, totally. And they sit down. They go, so, hey, what do you want to do? I'm like, man, I'm opening this restaurant, and I've got this youth program, and I'm doing this music. I'm talking about all this other <laughs> shit. And my manager, we leave, she says, don't ever do that again. If you sit with the head of a studio, you don't talk about all these other things you want to do. You talk, focus, like, what directors did you want to work with? What writers? Yeah. What but I, I wasn't even thinking like that. And I still don't actually think like that. I, I'm always thinking about, you know, the people that inspire me the most actually are either no-name community people, like a Mother Hale, who's obviously more well-known, but I'm always, I always admire, admire the people who are selflessly giving their life on behalf of other people for no accolades. Um, and then people who are very successful in business, particularly in the places where they're from. It's just a, a thing, like, for me... Um, from a business perspective, it's important for me to be successful in business in New York. So Dean mentioned real estate development yeah. for me. Like that's, uh, you know, a lane that I'm, I've been in for over a decade. And that's important to me. Um, I've never really looked at actors and Hollywood as a blueprint. Because even though I do the business and I'm very grateful for all the opportunities, it still isn't real to me. Yeah. Like it's not like real estate. It's not like this table. It's, it, a, it's a facade. It, it, well, it's, it's a lot of things. It, it becomes real for me when I own the IP. Got it. When I wrote this, this is my film, this is my television series, I created this, that's when it's more real. But when you're an actor um, working in this business, you know, I've done 50 plus films. You know, I've been the lead in 14 series. I've worked a lot. Yeah. I'm very, very grateful. Um, but it's real, but it's so not real. And just who I am needs to be fed in a different way. But that said, I absolutely love acting. I yeah. absolutely love the process of getting inside of a character and bringing it to life and, you know, finding the layers and the nuance and, you know, finding parts of yourself and, you know, creating, you know, moments and truths and, and, and all that stuff. So I, I enjoy that process. Um, but I honestly can... I just directed a documentary. and Talk to me about that. Uh, it's called I Build New York. Um, it's a documentary that I created based on my journey as a developer in New York doing my first deal. And I took seven young people between the age of 19 and 38 on a five-week journey across the state, introduced them to a world they knew nothing about or knew very little about. Yeah while at the same time introducing them to the filmmaking process um, as a way to show the average person, i.e. the viewer, one themselves and these people, but also give people access to the process and show how certain personal philosophies I live by can help, can manifest things. Yeah. It was sort of like a bit of a social experiment as well <laughs> and, and, and that multi-dimensional focus that you have is that something you've always been able to maintain that almost sounds like an, an oxymoron right? <laughs> I know. yeah multi. it is I, I could only maintain it like I said in partnership with other people but I I, I could not imagine only doing one thing yeah like I, I just don't work that just could never work 
Because there's always opportunity. Yeah. You know, there's always... Like, I could be in here right now. Like, here's a perfect example of the way my brain works. We're shooting the movie, Why Did I Get Married? And we're in Atlanta, and we're doing an exterior shot of a car that's, that I'm, my character's supposed to leave the interior of an office, walk outside, get in the car, drive in the, into the street, get hit by a truck. So they're setting up the camera, setting up the shot, working with the, with the stunt guys. And holding is inside of a, a space, a lofty, artsy-looking space. I'm walking around like, yo, what is this? Somebody said, oh, it's a, an ad agency. I was like, Word? Okay, so uh, there are checks in here, and I'm going to get them. And they're like, where are you going? I said, when Tyler's ready to shoot, y'all come get me. And I start walking around the office, and I walk by a conference room, and there's a meeting going on. And the people in the meeting recognize me, and they start waving. They start fanning out. But I'm thinking about there's an opportunity. Yeah. And so they invite me to sit down, and I look at what they're doing. And uh, the ad agency was pitching a food company to be the agency of record for that food company. Got it. So even knowing that term, agency of record, is an advertising or marketing term. Like So even just getting that nomenclature. And so the fact that I acknowledged that when I walked in and I began to talk to them about the demographic and the psychographic uh, information that they, were, they had projected in the PowerPoint was how they were trying to get the food company to trust them to be their agency and they were targeting black women between the age of 50 and 25 and 50 and they had you know they make between 25 and $50,000 and they headed a household and blah 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 well I had a lot of that same information because I was touring America with plays that I had written through my theater company which was another venture the Malik Yoba National Theater Company at one point uh, targeting the African-American urban theater market, or people used to call the Chitlin Circuit, which is where Tyler Perry made his money before he started making films. Got it. So for many years, I had been trying to get brands to advertise in that space. So I walk in a meeting with a brand that is targeting the exact same audience of his films. They They didn't realize we're shooting a film outside, but you're targeting the same audience with this film and with this product. Yeah. And I was able to speak to that. And so all of a sudden they go, so how long are you in New York? I mean, in the, we were shooting in Atlanta. They go, how long are you here? I said, I'm here for another couple of weeks. They're like, can you meet with us? So aside, you know, so we go back to shoot. I end up having a meeting with the company. That relationship has yielded benefits that I, I enjoy to this day. And it, it yielded many checks. Wow. And I ended up working with the agency and pitching other companies and Amazing. creating digi- you know, branded content. But that's just the way I think. Like, yeah. I, I don't know many actors that are in holding on set while yeah. shooting a movie, <laughs> uh, making deals in some random advertising. I love agency. that, though. So that's, yeah. That's incredible. And so when you, when you had those features kind of coming out and then you move into the early 2000s, you, you started doing a little bit of TV work. No, I started in TV. I started, you know, I did. I started in film. I did three films, and then um, actually, the way my career started was, I, I jumped. I went and did this film, um, Seriously Fresh, the first film I told you about. Then two years later, that was eighty nine, ninety one. I did a film called um, Reunion, written by the same guy, Jamal Joseph. Fast forward. In 91, I first screen test for Cool Runnings. The movie gets dropped. It gets picked up again in 92. Wow. A new 
director, new casting, I get a call saying, hey, you know, so I did the screen test, the, the open call the first time, get the movie, the movie gets dropped. Yeah. Um, and then a year, eight months later, I get a call saying they're doing the film again. There's a new director. He wants to meet you. And my indignant ass was like, nah, I'm busy. I'm recording an album. Like, they're like, no, no, he really looked, he saw your tapes. He'd like to see you. So I, I go to L.A. I meet him. I get the film. We shoot the film in January of 93. Comes out in uh, the October of 93. And then within a five-month period between like October and February, I booked like two Miramax films, an AT&T commercial, an episode of Law & Order, um, a guest star on another show, comedy, and then I booked New York on the cover. So literally in five months, my whole world just yeah. changed. And so... You know, I did New York on the cover for four years in New York, and then every hiatus I'd do a film. I did Copland during that time. I did a film called Ride during that time. Um, when New York Undercover was pitched to you, did did you have an idea of what it would become, or was that something you were no, just... because... Um, because it became such a phenomenon. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't really think about it. It was the same casting director that casted me in uh, Cool Runnings originally, was also casting New York on the cover, and she felt, when she read it, that she just like, oh, I know this kid that'll be perfect yeah and so she they came to me and i just thought it was cool like you know it was called uptown undercover originally a black and latino kid actually it was originally two black guys yeah um they were like nah we need to mix it up a little bit so it became a black and latino um and then um i got the gig and but we knew we had something special because it was nothing like it yeah yeah and I'm curious because you're so great at this and all the episodics I've seen is with, with, with a lot of that material, it tends to be procedural. It leans a certain way. The dialogue is different than it is in movies. But you're able to, to, to deal with it so freshly and, and, and bring real life to it. How are you able to tactically do that as an actor? Because a lot of that, you know, there's a lot of vernacular and cop slang and things like that. Thank you for asking that. See, Carmen, we got Carmen here. Car Carmen on the way over here. She was like... <laughs> Because Carmen, I've been coaching her, and she's got a lot of talent. And um, she was like, oh, I'm, I'm happy to see some stuff that you, that coming up that you're doing because I really want to see, like, all the things that you've been teaching me, see how it shows up in your work. And it's, I'm glad you, you point that out because when you do do procedural, which are those cop shows or, yeah. or you know, hospital shows or lawyer shows. Designated survivor. You know, yeah. a lot of times your character might just be giving information. How do you make information interesting? Um, and that comment you may remind me of when I did the movie Criminal, and I had a couple of scenes with John C. Riley. Yeah. And the first time you meet my character, I have this long monologue about um, currency, and you know, because it, it, it's a whole like scam that the characters are. It's a heist kind of movie, not a heist, but some like money scam, and. Um, he goes, I'm so glad they hired you to play this role, man, because and I think he's a producer on the film, too. He goes, every other actor that, that read that material, it was just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I think that, number one, like I said, I love what we do. It's such a gift to be able to do this work. And so information in and of itself like that is not interesting. Yeah. And so... How do you make exposition interesting? And, you know, there are, that's always the question I just ask myself. Like, you know, well, what is this? And, you know, 
I mean, all besides the things, because you know, actors get all heady. Like, what do yeah. I want in this scene? And where am I going? What's the question? And totally. yes, that stuff is is important. But if it's just information, it's like it can't just sound like information. Yeah. So there's just, it's just the, in the approach, and and I, it's funny you point out that out as well because I will notice in procedurals. It could be a scene with four of us around a table, yeah. and it's just six lines, but they've given you two, him one, you one, and actors just say, and then he went that way, and then she did this, and then, and you he see actors fall into the rhythm and the cadence and the tone yeah. of the other actors in the scene. Whenever I've been in a scene with a bunch of actors like that, I will always do something left. Do you guys not hear? Pattern. Yeah. Do you not hear what you're doing? Yeah. Like it's not just the information. These are full people with. You know, lives, and so I just try to bring life into it. To it shows you're Thank incredible you. at that. Thank you. Yeah, I really admire it. Thank you. I'm, and I'm also curious. Then you know, when you're making those decisions, like what attracts you to a script? You know, when you're in those TV, film, whatever, it's coming your way. At that point, I imagine you have a lot of leverage about what you want to do and what you don't want to do. What was interesting to you? I mean, I don't know how much leverage I have. Uh, you know, I guess I have an opinion about things, but. Um, you know, d- different things at different times in your life. It's, what I find is really interesting is how work that reflects what's going on at a particular time in your life will show up. Yeah. Oh, it's happened since the beginning. Like, for instance, I Build New York, the documentary, was born out of, well, one, I've always known in the development space there were stories to tell that I wanted to tell. Um, but two, I was doing the show God Friended Me. And um, literally, you know, hey, you got an offer to play three epi- to do three episodes uh, in this show. And I opened the computer, I started reading, and when they first introduced the guy, he's a real estate developer. I was like, I literally pushed the computer away. <laughs> and I was like, I see you, God. I see you. Literally, I'm like in my house by myself talking to my computer like, I see you, God. I see you. Wow. Because not only was he a developer, the character says the exact same things I say in real life. Wow. Which speaks to what attracts you. You try to find parts of yourself in characters and, and, and sure. things that you care about. Um, and so that, that attracts me. The subject matter, the timing, what I'm going on, what's going on in my life. Depending on who it's coming from, who wrote it, who's working on it, who's directing it. Um, where's the location, how much money, yeah. you know, was it an offer? I tend to pay a lot of attention to offers because yeah. I feel like when people offer projects, um, that's a huge blessing, and um, I don't take it for granted. And so I tend to almost do mm, most of what I'm offered, not all of it, but yeah. most, just on GP. Yeah. Like if you knew, if you were clear you wanted me for this, <laughs> and honestly it could be scale yeah. or it could be anywhere above that. Yeah. Like – yeah, if I if I like it, like I was just offered a film uh, to shoot uh, next month, actually. Um, just love the story. Just it's story. It always always comes down to story. And sometimes, you know, stories aren't that interesting too. Like so, and it's a thing, right? So we all love the work, but to be honest with you, a lot of times the material is just not incredible. Yeah. To like really feel all of those things you're asking me about that catharsis and yeah, yeah. it doesn't doesn't always happen. Um, but that's why I write. That's so why I create you, my own stuff. Yeah. Are, are you still doing playwriting? Or are you writing yeah, a lot? Every, of- um, so currently, the it, like I said, a lot of things at the same time. So I have a show called Harlem to Hollywood, okay. which is my life story. So all these questions you want to know, 
just come see my one man show. I'm going to be there. When is because it? Because I uh, I don't know when we'll do it again. I did it three times since December. Um, just did it twice this year at the Apollo. Um, but it's a work in progress. But it's it's a, a piece where I play uh, fifteen, almost twenty, almost twenty characters because we play with how many we'll wow. keep, or, but at least fifteen. Um, it's set in a therapist's office. It's it's I play the old therapist. Playing this throughout Thinberg. <laughs> <laughs> Geriatric Peldian instructor. Part-time therapist. Instructor. Okay. <laughs> Malik. Malik. I love it. That's Gladys. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but I, you know, I, I, that to me, you know, two hours with 15 characters, all of my music, I'm playing guitar, there's some light choreography, you know, I, I'm doing it all. And that to me was very, it, it was also one of those things where, like, no one's going to write this for me, so yeah. I have to write it, and I have to really challenge myself. It's like, I'm going to do an Iron Man twice yeah. this weekend. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Like, that show is insane. Like to, 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 and I ask, I'm still not off book. Like, the presentations we've done, I've presented them like the vagina monologues, where there's a you know, music stand and I have yeah. a script, but the characters are in me, so they come out. Yeah, I'm sure you can improv the, the all that. No, no, I don't. No, you don't. No, no, yeah. man, I took 15 years to write this thing, bro. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I cannot been wait to see. Versions it. of it. No, it's so specific. Like, the first time I presented it in 2008 to a live audience, 40% of it was scripted and 60% was structured improv. Wow. Um, and that was a much, much different version. You know, eleven years ago. But no, man, we took a lot of time. Kevin Ramsey, my partner and director, collaborate on it. He, um, yeah, he, we. So it's like word perfect when I do it. And and I know you have this piece, but are play something you're interested in? If it comes, I I like making stuff. Yeah, I do all kinds of stuff. I do it all. Like if a, a theater, you know, Broadway play came your way, would you do it? If it's the right show, yeah, yeah, I'd rather be doing my show. To be honest with you, man, I just rather be doing all my own. I feel that, man. You got to get the control of it. And I'm curious to ask you, now that we live in, you you spoke earlier about Michael B. Jordan, and I'm a huge fan of his, but now that we live in an era where diversity is is finally becoming a much more relevant, you know, phenomenon, it's, I hope we enter a world where it doesn't matter, but for a young man now, especially a black man, is, is there any advice you would have them in the industry, you know, that's a little bit more open to that now coming up you diversity know. yeah well no just starting their career well you know you see this tattoo yeah build your own generator so when they turn off the power you still have lights I live by that bro yeah that's my father's like so just actively always go after creating your own thing and don't look to someone else to give you a shot like I don't I just do not view the world like that. Yeah. I'm not like, man, I'm just waiting. Nah, I, I don't know what that is. Nah, yeah, I can't. Not, oh, Alexa Fogel, if only she would see me. It's like you're busy doing your own thing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And then what, what, what's going on with it? Are you still doing a lot of charitable? I do it. Yeah, man. Yeah. This, I'm the same dude that when I was 19 and when I was 15. <laughs> no, really, bro. That's great, man. I've always done community. I'm always going to do music. I'm always going to make, st- I'm always making things. Yeah. I'm always multi hyphenating it. Yeah, it's, it is always, 
you know, uh, work to do, you know. I mean, my friend Carmen is sitting here. She's quiet, but, you know, we're doing stuff together. This is a beautiful trans woman. Amazing. uh, Who's an artist and actor. So there's content that we're doing, scripted stuff. There's docuseries stuff. We we do a workshop together Mm -hmm. called Love and Trauma, the Trans Experience. And talk about just creating, right? Yeah. You know, like... I've been I've recently revealed to the world or stepped up as it were that I'm a man that's a, a heterosexual man that's attracted to or what's the word I'm supposed to use now uh not just attracted because people think it's fetish trans no, but loving something like I've that? definitely been a trans loving I've been a I'm a man that loves women of yeah. all types yeah. and some of them happen to be trans although I can't say I've romantically loved a trans woman but I can say that I've had friends that yeah. I've loved, and I've been really interested in that space of femininity and, yeah. and, and womanhood, um, and that space of masculinity. In masculinity, in that there are a lot of men that um, have attraction to women like Carmen, um, but haven't had a space to really talk about it. And so recently, uh, I made a public announcement, which started. Which yeah, shook, I'm sure you've had a whirlwind yeah, of a week. Yeah, been, but been, I think it's, it's beautiful. It's going to shook the world. But it also has created the space, man. Uh, you know, I've gotten literally, I mean, my Instagram went up like 15,000 people in a couple of days, you know, yeah. like three days or something like that. So not that I use Instagram as a measure of anything other than engagement for me. Like, okay, wow. Like. 15,000 more people and I, who knows how many people like abandoned ship because yeah. I'm sure there were those too I mean I know there were those but it also provided a space for a lot of stories to flow through and so whether it's the love and trauma workshop stuff we're talking about or um, that's something uh, you, you and Carmen are working on together she can talk about yeah that. Carmen can you talk about that What? Um, well yeah like Malik was saying it's just about creating that space for men to be honest and to express their attraction but also I think more importantly it's the language um, and sort of articulating these things in a way that is not damaging to either party. Because sometimes, you know, we use language that is borrowed from ignorance and from stigma. Um, so I think that's one of the main focuses I think that Malik has, has really contributed to. And then just for me, as a trans woman who's dealt with uh, plenty of men, um, you know, just navigating that. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a woman who... You know, it took a lot for me to become, like, realized, you know? And then now what? Yeah. What, what do I do after that? You yeah. know, and, ha- and how do I um, assimilate with other women, cis women and trans women, and just create a life for myself that is abundant and full of love and releasing the some of the traumatic experiences that I've experienced um, just going through my transition or just dating um, and, and, yeah, finding that, like, self-pride and self-love because a lot of us are lacking that. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and and not just diversity, but now trans representation shows like Euphoria, you know. Oh, and, yes. And, and, and Hunter's performance as Jules was incredible. And then incredible. Hari Neff and you. Do you think that now the content is getting better for trans artists? Um, yeah, because there's more interest. Yeah. You know, there's more people listening and wanting to be educated and wanting to uh, clear the stigma. And, and honestly... I, my interest is to just bring people together because before my transition, I had no problem with, you know, social anxiety or anything like that. And, and after now I feel more fearful, you know, just for my life. And I shouldn't have to feel that way, especially when I, I, I love New York City. I come from Jersey. Like, you know, I love the culture and and why not participate in it just like everyone else? And, and do you think now we'll, we'll 
ideally one or a time where you're casted for being a woman, not for being a trans woman. I would I've love seen that. that. Yeah, because yeah. the work like there was a period a couple weeks ago where she had like four auditions in like a two or three weeks a span that we worked on, um, and they were all trans women. But what was cool is just to watch like her range, and she hasn't really had an opportunity to show that. Yeah, and so, um, but back to creating. Yeah. Right? I see Carmen, I see other people people like her, both trans men and women and children. Yeah. Like, I want to do a film where the entire cast is is trans. Like from kids, the adults, the men, yeah. the women, everybody. Yeah. You know? um, people working on the film, like just like that's and it's not just about the statement, but it's about creating the spaces for people to thrive. A hundred percent. And that's that's honestly what I get off on more than anything. It's yeah. like how do you create a world where everyone can live abundantly? And I think the beautiful thing about art is we love art because it makes us not feel alone. You right. know, it makes us feel comforted, you right. know, and that we're not alone in this journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm curious, so uh, before we wrap up, what, what else is in the pipeline for you, Malik? Let's see. Well, I got a show coming out. Okay. Um, First Wives Club. There Amazing. Uh, that'll be on SBT. And, of course, we did the reboot of New York Undercover. Um, that's floating around waiting on the sale or the sale is the, the pilot was shot we, yeah we yeah. just did that um, it's a film um, another film I'm supposed to be directing uh, I'm supposed to be because we've been it's actually an Italian American holiday film um, wow. called Seven Fishes uh, so we've been pushing that along so there's always stuff in, in the pipeline man you know certainly stuff in the in the trans space I want to you know some friends have sent me scripts yeah um, that I want to help do in documentaries. You know, I feel like, <clears throat> honestly, just based on what happened last week, like, you know, I've literally had some chats today, um, and I'm, we're going down to D.C. to the Congressional Black Caucus and meet with some Congress people. There's some policy issues to be addressed around trans rights yeah. that I'm getting more active in. Um, but there's a space to tell those stories. I'm excited about, like, helping to educate the world on the depth of what the trans experience is so that we can help normalize that. And I'm doing the same thing in incarceration space. You know, as a, a, one, of my, one of my dearest friends wrote a book called Incarceration Nations, wow. um, Dr. Baz Dreisinger, and we have been working to do a doc series based on that book. Um, so, you know, build things, work to help marginalize people across the board. Yeah. Uh, leave the world a better place than it was when I found it. And you're doing a great job. Thank you. Malik Yoba, thank thanks you. so much for being here, Carmen. Thank you. Thank you, you. got good energy, man. Oh, you're, you're like, like, <laughs> is that coffee, bro? Is no, that, man, it's, just, it's natural, you know? I try to be cool. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. 